Hallelujah. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. As you can tell, we've got things uh, arranged just a little different today. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, let me explain, give you a, an idea of what's happening today. It's a very special day. It's uh, a day of honor and a day of uh, respect and, and thankfulness that we're showing to our pastors. We're honoring them today, Pastor Eric and Michelle West. And uh, so if you're visiting with us today, that's what we're doing. You're going to be able to to be a part of that and uh, kind of see a little history of, uh, of the church and uh, what God's done here in this county, amen, and a lot of the, the lives of uh, the members here, and we're excited about that today. So if you're with us with us today, we'd like to say welcome, amen. Let's give our visitors a hand today, amen. Glory to God. I don't uh, have any announcements that I know in particular. Um, we are going to receive our Sunday morning tithe and offering at this time. If you'd like to give, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will be, I started to say the aisles, but we have no aisles today. So they're in the room and uh, to give an envelope as a receipt for your giving. Amen. How many of you excited today about giving? Yeah. Amen. Got just a uh, scripture here I would like to read to you concerning your giving and just uh, say a few words to build your faith, encourage you to give. How many of you know when you give, uh, it's not just when a, when a bucket comes by, an offering plate comes by, and you just kind of pluck something in. You know, some people are pluckers. Like a, yeah, you say, well, that sounds like a chicken. Well, I'm not a, I don't want to be a plucker. I'm a giver. Amen? I want to give, and I want to mix my faith with my giving. When I give, I sow in the good ground, and I expect a return. Amen? So don't just be a, a plucker this morning, but be a giver. And mix your faith with it. So we're going to read a, a scripture to you and encourage your faith this morning, build your faith. But before I do, I'd like to say I'm so excited today that, uh, Pastor Wynn, Miss Glenda's here with us. Glenda's here with us. It's, a, it's an honor to have them here to travel. Let's give them a hand. Amen. As, as Pastor West mentions, you know, it's not uh, coming from the next county or the next state, but they come from Wales, which is uh, a little bit further than uh, Georgia. Amen. So it's an honor to have them here, and uh, we're looking forward to what God has to, to speak to us today. Amen. Uh, concerning some things with uh, what we're celebrating today. Amen. And where did Pastor Fry go? He stepped out for a moment. It's such an honor to have y'all with us today and uh, to have them here. They've been traveling and going through. Uh, he was telling me about some trips they made to Minnesota and Michigan and different places, Chicago, and the home that they've been blessed with. Amen. I got to see some pictures of it and how God worked that out and uh, was reserving and holding it just for them. Sounds like favor to me. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if, real quickly here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many of you are in Christ this morning? Amen. Amen. How many of you know you're blessed? Amen. Glory to God. Verse 4 says, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Amen. Do you realize today if you're in Christ, that you're holy and with you, you're without blame? You say, how could that be? Because I know in the past I've done this and I've done that, and last night I kicked a cat, and, you know, and, and maybe I raised my voice at my wife and my kids. How could I be without blame? Well, glory to God. It's because of what Jesus has already done. It's a finished work. Amen? His grace and his mercy is sufficient. Now, verse 11, it says, In whom also we've obtained an inheritance. In Christ we've obtained an inheritance. Amen. You've inherited something. Glory to God. Brother Hagin wrote a book one time, a little mini book, and it was, it was called Knowing What Belongs to Us. 
So you have to know what belongs to you, amen? It's not enough just to read about it and to hear about it, but you have to receive it as yours and know that this belongs to me. You know, I gave a little testimony Wednesday about a, a gentleman. We pulled up to church on a Wednesday night, and a gentleman was trying to repossess my daughter's car. And I said, no, no, it doesn't belong to you. And he said, well, we, we have papers here and a title, and we're going to take this car because it's, it's behind. I said, no, every payment's been made, and it belongs to me. And uh, we can either settle it between us or we can call the police, whichever one you like. But it's mine. And I was reminding him that it's mine. He said, well, I have a title. Well, the title looks similar. The VIN number was close, and the description and the color looked the same, but it was not the same vehicle. And I reminded him. I had to remind him what belongs to me. Amen? And it's the same way with us. We have to remind the devil what belongs to us. You know, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I want to decree this to you today. Don't believe everything that your mind thinks. Amen. And don't act on everything that your body feels. Have you ever walked through a store and you saw something and a thought came into your mind, I'd like to have that. And you kind of look around. And you don't look all holy, you know, like you. <laughs> and you may have had a thought, well, nobody would see me. Or, you know, or, you know. I remember one time, uh, Emily, my daughter, we were riding down the road and she popped out a piece of peppermint and, and put it in her mouth. And I said, where did you get that? She's just a little girl. And uh, she said, well, I got it at the store. I said, well, who paid for it? She said, I didn't know you had to pay for it. They had the bucket right there at the, at the <laughs> checkout. She said, I thought, like a restaurant, you know, I thought it was free. So I played a little joke on her. I said, well, no, well, we're, no I'm, I'm going to have to take you to jail. And I drove down through town and was making my way over. And she said, Daddy, what are you doing? And, you know, I, and real quickly, I had, to, I had to change what I was doing. I was just playing a little trick on her, but amen. Well, see, sometimes our mind has thoughts. Our body has feelings, but we don't believe everything that we think, right? And we don't act on everything that we feel. But we have to renew this mind to remind ourselves and remind the enemy, no, this is what belongs to me. This is what I'm supposed to have. I'm rich because Jesus made me rich. How many of you always feel holy? Huh? How many of you always feel righteous? How many ever woke up in the middle of the night and, and stubbed your toe real good? Amen. You may not feel righteous and holy at that moment, but we are because of what Jesus has done. Amen. So you may not feel rich today. All your finances may not look like you're blessed and fully supplied, but it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's what it is we are in him. Amen. We are rich. We are blessed because of what he's done and what he's finished. Glory to God. Well, how many of you ready to give? Amen. So we're not pluckers this morning, but we're givers. We're sowers. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Let's hold up our offering and pray over it. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give today. We thank you, Lord God, that you gave your best in Jesus. Glory to God. While we were yet sinners, while we were lost, while we were going according to the course of this world, the Amplified says we didn't even have a desire to serve you, to even know you. But God, who is rich in mercy, he sent Jesus, gave his best so that we could be called the sons and daughters of God. We can be become part of the family. We could receive an inheritance. Glory to God. Today we're seated in the heavenly places with him far above, far above. Far above, glory to God. And we're thankful today, Father. So as we give, as we return back to you the tithe that already belongs to you, and as we sow seed today into good ground, Father, we thank you for an abundant harvest over each and every family that's here today, Father. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you may receive the offering. Hallelujah. Well, as I said, as, as they're receiving that, uh, again, as I said, we're uh, arranged a little bit different today, as you can tell. So if you had, does everybody have a seat at the table? If you don't have one, you can find 
find yourself a seat at the table. We're not going to bite. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're celebrating something very special today. Everybody said amen. amen. I said we're celebrating something very special today, and we're not just celebrating, but we're honoring our pastors today. Amen. The ones that God set here in this body to be shepherds over the flock here. Amen. I've got just a few scriptures that I'm going to read here uh, briefly just to kind of lay a foundation for what we're doing today. We've got a video also we're going to show here in just a moment that uh, Chris and Nellie have compiled and spent a lot of time doing that with uh, great care. A lot of people have contributed pictures. And um, I had an Assembly of God haircut in some of these pictures you'll see. <laughs> Amen. If you don't know what that is, you'll see here in just a moment. So uh, don't give me a hard time about that. I think he's going to blackmail me with a couple of those pictures, but... Amen. I'm going to read a scripture to you in the side of Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 8. I've just got about three scriptures here and I'm going to make a few comments. And, uh, you know, this is a very special day to me. Um, hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not going to get emotional. But, you know, at, at, uh, at the age of 15, uh, I wasn't serving God. Uh, you think, well, 15, you know, he's just a young kid, didn't really, you know, but I was on the path that was taking me to, on the road of destruction. <clears throat> In fact, at the age of 12, I almost lost my, my life to alcohol poisoning. But my sister wouldn't quit calling me. <laughs> she wouldn't quit inviting me at the age of 15 to church. And these two <clears throat> took me in. At the age of 16, I believe I moved in with them, <clears throat> and they provided a place for me to stay. They took me to church where I got the word taught to me, and I want to tell you, it changed my life forever. It set the course of my life on a different path, a different direction, that I'm telling you, I probably wouldn't even be standing here today alive if it hadn't been for the love of these two. I know they're blood-related to me, but I don't look at them as just blood-related. At that, that at that time, they were not my pastors, but I want to tell you that, that the difference that they made and the love that they've shown and the seed that they've sown in my life changed my family forever. It changed the direction uh, of a generation. And I declared and decreed some things about my family that, that it would be the way that the word of the Lord said it could be. And my kids would be raised that way according to the word. My family, my wife, my relationship with my wife would be that way. And it all started because of the love of these two that they showed to me and they gave me a place to stay. They brought me in. And the main thing was is they honored the word of God and they esteemed it highly. Amen. So, so as I said, it's a very special day for me. And I esteem both of you highly. And I thank you so much for the love that you've given to us, my family. And I know there's many more here today that could testify the same thing. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And I want you to notice there it says gifts. You know, a lot of times we hear about, the, we read these scriptures and we've heard them, we've heard people preach along these lines about gifts, but it's not just, you, you think of a minister gift, well, they operate in this gift or that gift or the gift of prophecy. Or, but this is talking about a gift, an office gift. And it's not just a, a gift as far as, you know, some people want to look at it as just a, a ministry gift, but no, it's, it's a gift that we receive. And when you receive a gift, you receive it with honor. Amen. You receive it and esteem that gift. 
You know, I heard a gentleman say one time, and some of you here, how many of you are into antiques? Maybe you can tell me what this, there's a certain violin that's called, is it Stradivarius? Is that the way you say it? You know, I heard a gentleman say one time that when his wife walks in the room that he pictures that word on her forehead, and he said he gasps for air when she walks in and says, you know, because, I mean, that's, I mean, this, someone tell me, is it worth millions? Ever made. So he says when she walks in the room, then, then he pictures that written across her head. So it reminds him every time that she's a valuable gift that, that he esteems her and values her as she walks into the room. Amen? So when you receive a gift that way, it's more than just saying, well, that's a gift. Or that's, you know, maybe I like it, maybe I don't. You know, it's one of those deals at Christmas where you say, well, I, you know, I kept the receipt. I could take it back. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a gift that God himself has blessed us with and set here in the body. Amen? So let's read... Um, Said so he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So these gifts come from God, our Heavenly Father. That's who has given us. These gifts, the gifts come from God. He appoints who he chooses. Amen. So if God approves, I'm telling you that, that uh, they're the ones that, that, that are anointed for the job. Amen. So he approved. He, he gave these gifts. Who gave them to us? Jesus, the head of the church, gave us the gifts. And why? And verse 12 tells us why. Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the office of pastor is a ministry gift. As we mentioned, it's from God, given to us by Jesus. And we need to know today, and, and, um, and not just today, but every day, that, that they are gifts. And we need to esteem them, just as an example that I used about the Stradivarius violin. That they're precious and valuable. Amen? They're gifts from Jesus, the head of the church, and they must be received as so. You know, I, and I could stand here today, and I could... Just use Brother Bill for an example. I could say, Brother Bill, I've got a gift I want to give you, and I could lay out $1,000 on the table here to give Brother Bill. You know, he could rejoice over it, thank God for it. But, you know, if he left $1,000 laying on the table and he didn't take the gift and receive it and take the money out and apply it to some area of his life that would be a blessing to him, have you know the gift would stay there. It belongs to Brother Bill, but if he didn't receive it and take it, then it wouldn't be any benefit to him. Amen? So the gift of our pastors that are here, see, they have to be received. Amen? And when you receive that gift, see, God's so good, and it's God's plan, it's in his word. When you submit to a man and woman of God, and, and you submit to them as your pastors, what happens is, is you receive them as a gift from God, and what happens is, is that gift begins to operate and bless you, and bless your family, and bless your business, bless your children. Why? Because you didn't only see, see them as a gift, but you received them as a gift, and when you did, that gift yielded blessings and increase to your life. Amen. So that's what we endeavor to do. Each and every day is to receive you, Pastor Miss Michelle, as gifts to this body. Not just recognize you as a gift, but receive you as a gift. Amen. So we recognize you both as gifts today to this body. We honor you, we esteem you highly, and we thank God for you today. Amen. And we're excited today to celebrate both of you and to honor you this day. Amen. Well, we're going to show the video at this time. It's about a 10-minute video. Amen. Amen.
No, they, they deserve more than that. Why don't we stand and give them a standing ovation today and appreciate them. Appreciate God in them. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Eric, as usual, is struggling to receive that. But you know, when we thank people, we're thanking the God in people. We're not just thanking people, we're thanking the fact that God has graced us with a gift, and it's himself. And I, uh, I've said it often, you know, that when people are doing the will of God, Jesus makes them look good, and Jesus makes you look real good. To me, anyway. We, we love you. We really appreciate you, and we, uh, we're delighted, Gwenda and I are delighted to be with you today. Uh, we did try to do it as a surprise, as some of you know. We tried to turn up, not letting them know that we were going to hear, and then we were going to be out in the, the foyer when the service began and take a microphone and pretend that the microphone was on, you know, and just say, uh, can they hear this? Is Can they hear this? And, and see their reaction when we walk through the door. But it didn't work, so you messed up our plan. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just want to bring three scriptures to you, and I don't want to particularly preach, teach. I just want us to remind ourselves how good God is, how good God has been, how, we, how good God will be tomorrow. Um, somebody asked me just a, a few months ago uh, a, a real deep theological question, and I like those deep theological questions because I like to make them real shallow. Because usually that's all they are, is shallow. They're not usually deep. They're just ones that people don't have an answer for. And the Bible speaks so clearly of everything God is and going to do. It's so clear. There is evident. If we just read it in its context, we'll see it. And they said to me, you know, there's a theological thing about, you know, whether Jesus will return and, uh, uh, and take the bride to be with us in heaven. It's called the rapture. And will that be post-tribulation, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. In other words, will we be snatched out before the tribulation? Will we be taken halfway through the tribulation? And will we have to survive the tribulation and then we'll go? And I just smiled at them. I said, well, you know, the one thing I noticed in the Bible, it says in Hebrews 13, 5, 6, which is what I want to quote to you. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't need a theological answer. I just need to know that he will walk through it with me wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. He is going to be in the midst of it. And the Bible speaks so clearly of God bringing the people of God through everything. And he's right there in the midst of it. And I just want us to think about some of those things a moment uh, in this wonderful, wonderful celebration day. The Lord could not have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless he knew every single thing that you were going to go through. You see, only a fool makes a promise not thinking about the cost. Hello? God knows exactly what you're going to go through. He knew what you were going to go through before the foundations of the world. He knew 
everything that you would endure. He knew every trial, every circumstance, every situation, every relational issue, every failure of his sin, whether you're a Christian or before you were a Christian. He knew it all. He knew how uh, long your patience would last in the midst of a circumstance. He knew every single weakness that you had. He knew every strength that he could bring in your life. He knew it all. And he still saved you. Praise God. And he promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he walks through the midst of that circumstance with you. He never lets you go it on your own. He is, no matter how you feel today, no matter how you feel tomorrow, no matter what you felt a week ago, I'm telling you, you can feel he is the furthest away from you he's ever been. And I want to say to you, there's a Bible speaks, he's probably closer to you than every other time in your life. Because when you feel him, it's a place of peace. When you can't feel him, he's right there in the midst of the circumstance that you're going through. Hello? You just can't feel him. Well, you don't live by feelings, Matt just told us. Hello? Do you feel righteous? No, because righteousness isn't a feeling. It's, your, it's the condition of your spirit. Hello? So you believe it, and God causes you, you to walk in righteousness. If you know he's in it with you, it doesn't matter what you feel. If you can just turn to somebody right now, turn to somebody right now and say, he's with me every second of all of my life. One of my favorite songs of all time was written by a man called Russell Frager, who is not particularly well known by most Christians, and yet Hillsong is very well known by Hillsong. Well, Russell Frager was the music director that made all that happen. But one day, in a simple moment of worship, he never was a public sort of person. He didn't like to sing publicly. But one day at home or in the office where he was just worshiping, out popped this song. And uh, if I feel I, I can do it later, I'll sing it, uh, playing the piano to you. But it's, before the world began, you were on his mind. And that's the truth, my friend. Before the world began, a lamb was already decided, was needed to be laying down his life for the sake of sin. And that decision was made before a breath was ever breathed by Adam before uh, uh, an animal was ever created, before water came out of the earth, before a fish was even in the ocean, before, long before the foundations of the world, God decided between them that they would have a, a man in the garden and they knew the man would sin and therefore someone would have to redeem that sin. And so it was decided that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would take that role long before any sin came. So he was already planning for your adventure. Even though you were not even uh, born, even though you were not even conceived, even though your generation wasn't even started, he was already planning what was going to happen to you. That when you came to that place, that you were needing him, he would be right there with you. And, and I tell the account of my salvation uh, really truly began at the top of a cliff, 220 foot up. I was about to jump off when the audible voice of God spoke behind me. I wasn't even seeking him, and he was right there. He was right there with me. And I turned around, and, and, and as I, some of you probably have heard, remember, I've said the story before, 
the the desire to to commit suicide left me and I went home and seven days later I watched the second half of the film Jesus of Nazareth and it was as if he was in that room watching it with me my heart was pounding my head was pumping and I just ran out of the room and I threw my life on the uh, into the arms of Jesus and I was born again and he walked through the wall touched me and from that moment on He's been with me, and, but he was with me when I didn't even know he was with me. He was with me when I wasn't even seeking. He was seeking me out. He was there in every circumstance, and all I had to do was turn. Hello? You know, before the world began, he knew every circumstance. And God is so gracious. 120 years before a flood came, he raised up a young man called Noah and gave him a vision to build an ark. And it took Noah 120 years to build an ark. And during that 120 years, he preached the gospel. He preached salvation in the ark. That there was coming a destruction and a flood. And he pleaded with people to turn and build the ark with him and to come into the ark. But eventually, they all turned and thought he was silly. They thought he was a ridiculous person. Didn't believe a word he said. It didn't matter. It was still God's man in the midst of the circumstance. Even before the flood came, he was preparing a man to prepare a salvation for a, comp- for a group of people who could have been saved from the destruction. Yet they turned away from Noah because they didn't recognize he was a gift of God. They didn't see the value of who he was. And because they didn't see the value of who he was, they weren't able to receive to the measure God intended them to have. He did not want them dead. He wanted them saved. He provided a man and he provided a message. He provided an ark and yet they still didn't receive him. So it shows quite clearly that to honor someone means to receive them. And to to receive them means to recognize their ascent of God. I can't just simply look at them from the outside and just judge them from who they are. You see, this couple in front of us today, I'm actually not sure where they were both born, but I know that they've been raised in this area. But it doesn't matter. Sometimes we look, oh, they're just from Jamison. They're just from Canton. They're just from Alabama. Oh, they're just, but that's what they did with Jesus. Oh, he's just Mary and Joseph's boy. He's just from Nazareth. And what you don't recognize is you're looking from the outside instead of looking from the inside. And when God sends a messenger, he sends the very best messenger. And he equips that person with the very exact message and with the exact anointing to unlock the doors of everything in your life. Well, somebody could say amen. When the children of Israel were in slavery for 400 years, they got to a place where they cried out to God, send us a deliverer, not realizing God had already raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses, and he was being equipped for 80 years out of their sight. They never saw how God was equipping Moses. The first time they saw him, they just thought he was an Egyptian. The first time they saw him, they thought he, they, he was their enemy. And then 40 years later, here comes that same person they rejected with the answer and the power of God on their life for their deliverance. And God honored his man and whatever he spoke came to pass. Whatever he prophesied 
came to pass. And after a few weeks or a few months, there came a mighty deliverance and they were brought out of the wilderness, out into the wilderness, free from slavery, free from bondage. And there in the wilderness, we see 40 years where they just wouldn't receive Moses the way God intended them to. They kept arguing about God's choice. You see, when we argue about a man or a woman of God, we're not arguing with the person. We're actually arguing with God. When we reject the person, we're rejecting the gift of God. Pastor Eric and Michelle didn't come into the kingdom and start a ministry because they thought they had nothing else to do. They did it because the Lord spoke to them. And when the Lord spoke to them, they honored that. And slowly but surely, that what was on the inside began to take place on the outside. And I want to say to you, you've seen just 1% of what's on the inside of them. There is a 99% increase of what God wants to do in them and through them. There is much more to come that just never, it's beyond your wildest imaginations and dreams. What God wants to raise up right here in Alabama, He wants to shake the whole of the state. He wants to shake the nations. He wants to impact people in other cultures that you've never dreamed that you could reach. He wants to do it here because the river that he's put in the hearts of this uh, couple, that river of anointing, that river of his grace, that river of his power can reach anywhere, everywhere, at all times and do the most unthinkable things just because of grace, just because of faith, just because of obedience. So when we reject the person, if you're not careful, you're rejecting the miracle for your own life. Amen? All of Israel came out of slavery. They came through the waters, and as they came through the Red Sea, it says they came up into the cloud. In other words, right there in the midst of their circumstance, God was. He was there, and it says that they came up into it. In other words, his presence was right around them like a pair of arms from a father, wrapping his arms around them saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have brought you to the wilderness, and I will walk you through the wilderness, and I will carry you on my pinions like an eagle carries her eaglets. And God was faithful every second of the day. God was faithful to protect them from searing sunshine. He was protecting them from the freezing cold of night by a pillar of fire. He stood between. He went to the back of the children of Israel when all the armies of Egypt were coming. They, he stood between them and the army. And they could not look back and see anything. All they could see was God. God to the back. God to the front. God above and God all around. That's all they saw. God took away the memory of the past. And God wants to, you to know today that He has never leave, left you, never forsaken you as a company of people. And He has cut off your past. And you must cut off your own past and your own imaginations and your own thought patterns. Remember that former life no longer. You failed. And you can say, but I'm a Christian when I still fail. Forget it. Forget what you've done in the flesh. Just learn from it and move on with the grace of Jesus that this carcass will not fulfill holiness. But you are not your body. You are the one that lives on the inside of your body. And that's perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ. And the problem is we can look at the outside instead of the inside. When we look at Pastor Eric and Michelle, we need a way past 
We need to look way past what we see with our eyes and see this incredibly majestic nature of Christ right here in the midst of Alabama, in the midst of everything that we are, already in place for anything that's going to go on for the rest of your life. Hello? Oh, man. Did you know that David was prepared? For 17 years before he even slung that sling and that rock. 17 years he had to endure rejection from his parents. Rejection from his siblings. And when he stood... And when he stood in the trenches and there was Goliath and he spoke the word of God and say this, this, you know, you're not to be terrified of this. Where is your faith? And his brothers turned on him. But the message got to Saul. And when Saul heard about him, they brought him in. That's a miracle. How on earth did they think a 17-year-old boy was going to take out a Goliath when the whole army couldn't take him out? And yet somehow Saul was so desperate he would accept anyone. And so David comes in, and they try to make him something he isn't, instead of recognizing who he is. He's already been equipped by God. Don't look at Pastor Eric and Michelle and want them to be something else. They're everything you need right now. And if you don't shout better than that, I'm going home. You problem is, you might not see it. But that doesn't mean anything. Before I was saved, I didn't see God was my need. I didn't know I needed God. I didn't know he could rescue me. I didn't know that. Well, I couldn't see it. I couldn't perceive it. But once I got saved, I had to learn that he is my everything. He is the salvation of every part of my life. He is my deliverer. I had to learn that. And when I, when I had a, a parent, I didn't understand the day that my father was smacking the backside off, off of me, taking me upstairs, whap, whap. He was laying the five-fold ministry on my seat of learning. And he, he was driving the spirit of a fool right out of me. I didn't think that when it was happening. I thought that was the most evil thing my father could ever do. Why? Because it was hurting my pride as well as hurting my backside. <laughs> Hello? I didn't think he was my deliverer. But he was. He was delivering me from foolishness. Hello? And when he said no, I didn't like that word. I liked yes much better than I like no. I don't like no. I like everybody to say yes to me. The problem is sometimes I don't need somebody to say yes. I really need somebody to say no. And my father was quite happy to be that person. Why? Because he was teaching me and training me to be disciplined. Hello? He loved me enough to discipline me and say what I didn't want. Yeah, but my eyes and my brain thought that that was wrong. I had to learn up, grow up. I had to come to the Word of God and find out that my Father in heaven is just like my Father on earth, and He wants to discipline me to drive the spirit of a fool out of me. But I don't like the way He does it. I like the result. I don't like the mechanism. Hello? And I don't always like the circumstance that he uses. I don't like the person sometimes he uses because I like that person till they said no. And the moment they go, no, or we need to talk, don't you? Who does he think he is? Pastor? That's who he is. He's your shepherd. 
He's the gift of God. God couldn't come, so he sent the very best. The very best. He, if he's led Pastor Eric and Michelle here to do this work, it's like Jesus coming himself. It's the very best gift. God doesn't give bad gifts. He gives good ones. He gives perfect ones. He gives perfect timing. He raises up people with the perfect, not perfect people on the outside, but perfect on the inside that carry something for you and me at this time in our lives. And I might not like what he says all the time as, a, as my pastor. He's not my pastor. I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying. I'm talking from your perspective. I might not want what he says into my life. No, but I didn't want all the time what my father said or what my mother said. But they were still correct. They carry a wisdom and a grace that's beyond understanding because that's what equips you. God equips people to do the task he's called them to do. And he equips them with a wisdom that will help you in every circumstance. And David was prepared. David was prepared for 17 years. What I think is wonderful, and and I've never heard anybody else preach this, it took God 17 years to prepare David. How many thousands of years did it take to prepare the pebble? Before Israel even stepped into Canaan, God was preparing that pebble. God was preparing that pebble for thousands of years to get to the right place and be there fully ready and smooth and the right size so that when this young shepherd stuck his hands in the water and pulled up five stones, God knew which one he would take. He picked the one, put the other four in his pocket and started swinging that thing. God had brought the preparation of a rock and the, the sling to the same place at the same time. Yet we began with the rock thousands of years. That's the wisdom of God. He knows all things. He knew the day, the hour, the second, David would step into that brook. He knew which side, which hand he would put down. And he navigated every single circumstance. So when he got there, when he picked up the pebble, it was exactly the one God had prepared. You think God's not in your life sometimes. You think God's not around you, working on your behalf. He's been working on your behalf since the foundations of the world. He has brought you to such a place as this so that you can receive what he's trying to give you. He has already equipped your future. You're walking towards the greatest future you could ever have if you trust him. If You can go the wrong way, the right way. It doesn't matter. You're going to end up in the right place at the right time. God loves you enough. If he sees you disappearing over this side, he will just cause the circumstance to be waiting for you to bring you back online. Hello? Moses went off track for 40 years. And then you find him at the backside of the desert, sitting down at Mount Horeb, also nicknamed the Mount of God. So he's sitting down with the Mount of God behind him. So he's got God to the back of him, and then he's got God in the front of him, because a burning bush starts speaking his name. He thought he was in the backside of a desert, away from God. You're never away from God. God knows exactly where you are and what you're going through. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he, he was even in the fire waiting. Hi! 
and they're walking into a fire. And all the armies, the strong men, were throwing them into the fire, heating that furnace sevenfold uh, increase. And yet they would not repent. They would not relent. They were going to worship God and God alone. So they threw them in. And the moment they threw them in, somebody looks in and goes, who's the fourth? Who's the fourth one in there? And then they look again and say, wow, she looks like the son of God. Yeah. He's not going to let you go in the fire without you being in the fire. He's going to be in the fire with you. He's going to be the one that's going to control the temperature. So the only thing the fire does is burn off everything that's binding you up. So in other words, he's using the fire for his own ends. He's going to set you free from a bit more of the stuff that's binding you up. You might not like this circumstance, but he's right in it with you. Do you know the church should be a fire? We should be so on fire. <laughs> this congregation should be so on fire in the power of the Holy Spirit that it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for all our visitors. That they come in, even though the enemy has bound them, and even though the enemy is casting them aside to reject them, they walk through this door and all those chains fall off. All those bindings fall off because the fire of the Holy Spirit sets them free. Why? Because there's so much fire here. And wherever you go, there should be so much fire that people come, they come bound, but they go out free. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is with you. Hello? Mm. In Luke 14, it says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let me just correct a, a, a thought pattern. This is not saying if you don't give all your possessions away, you can't be my disciple. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying if, unless you give everything away, you can't join the club. Know that the emphasis is, if you ever find my disciples, my true disciples, they are the ones who are giving their all. They hold nothing back. Why? Because Jesus held nothing back. Jesus gave his all. Therefore, if we're going to be modeled by Jesus and, and ministered to by Jesus, if we're going to say we are a disciple and being mentored by Jesus, well, surely that we're going to take on that same spirit. We're going to take on that same attitude. Nothing was too great for Jesus to do for you. Thank you for that um, underwhelming response. I'll preach this way. Before the world began... You were on his mind. So when he went to Calvary 2,000 years ago, you were on his mind. In other words, the reason he did it was for the Father's will to be done in your life. So before the world began and at Calvary, before you even existed, long, long before you existed, he had already planned to pay whatever price he had to pay for your benefit. And that was liberty, freedom from 
all sin, freedom from all unrighteousness, freedom from all fear and guilt and condemnation, free from sickness and, and, and disease, free from debt and abomination, free from all the image issues, free from everything that had held you captive all the days of your life, free from your generational curses that came from family to family down the hundreds of generations since Adam, free to be who you, who you need to be, free to be everything he paid for you to be free. He did it all before you even breathed your first breath. So why is he going to say no to you right now? Why is he not going to be in the midst of anything with you right now? He has already done everything he needs to do. Now he's taking you by the hand and he is walking you into the reality of the truth of all that he has already done 2,000 years ago. You were already on his mind. Hallelujah. This verse is preceded by two other verses, and both speak the same language. The verse, uh, about, uh, two verses above, it speaks of a build. No one goes to build a house without counting the cost, because otherwise you'll start the project, you'll lay the foundation, then you don't have the resources to build the rest. And it says, and people will mock you for stopping halfway. And he refers to that to being his disciple. He's saying, my disciples will never do that. My disciples don't do that. My, other people's disciples might do that, but my disciples don't do that because they have my spirit. They have my same attitude. They see what I see. They perceive what I... Why? Because my spirit is in them. And when my spirit is in them, it won't be long before they're starting to live life just like me. And they're starting to do stuff just like me. They start to sound like me. They start to smell like me. They start to look like me. Everything they do, people go, my God, we killed Jesus, but here, the, here he comes and another 5,000 different people. Because Jesus is saying, if I give my all, my disciples will give their all. Because that's the nature of my spirit. I hold nothing back. I empty myself. So when I go to heaven, I've emptied my life and I've left it on the earth. I've emptied my blood and my sweat and my tears and I poured them out. And then God raises me up from the dead. But I leave the world being emptied. And he says, that's the spirit of Christ. God, this is not Sunday Christianity. This is not following Jesus when it feels good. This is not tipping Jesus, saying thanks. Thanks for the blessing. What about the inheritance? God doesn't want, that's the difference between uh, Jacob and Esau, one just wanted the blessings. He just wanted the stuff. But deep inside, even though Jacob was wrong for 70 years, deep inside of Jacob, he wanted the inheritance of being the firstborn, even though he was secondborn. But he wanted to be firstborn. Isaac didn't care. He just wanted the stuff. He just wanted the car. Today, it'd be, I just want the cars. I just want the houses. I just want the blessings. Jacob didn't. Jacob wanted to be so blessed at the right hand of the Father that his blessing would flow to his children and his children's children to a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. Wow. 
This verse is about a disciple of Jesus is recognized because they give their all to fulfill the call of God. This is their lifestyle attitude. They give their all to obey him. They do not stop halfway, but go the whole way. All that they have is his, and all that they are is his every day. All desires, all possessions, all their time is given to finish his purpose on earth. I live to please him. I live to obey him. I live to make him known. I live to make him glorified. I don't live for me. I live for him. Now, he died and lives for me. But if I live for him, he lives for me. I don't seek me. I seek him. And as I seek him, I get what the desires of my heart are. He looks after me. If I build him a house, he'll build me a house. If I look after his plan, he'll look after my plans. Come on, I'm, are you breathing? Hello, I'm leading us somewhere. This is not Sunday Christianity. This is about laying down your whole life to fulfill his plan and his desire in you and through you. Therefore, nothing is too great a cost because he paid the ultimate price to save you. Now, how can you and I not do the same in return? You see, every step he asks us to take is to release us from that thing called selfishness or self-centeredness which is sin. Adam took the fruit because he was self-centered. He wasn't God-centered. He was self-centered. Every sin I have ever committed and everything I've ever done to disobey God was because I was self-centered. I wanted my will. I wanted it my way. I wanted it at my time. Every time my father and I had a uh, an occasion to talk and go for a, one of those walks down to the back of the woodshed. It was because I was self-centered. I was not thinking of the family. I was not thinking of my father's reputation. I was not thinking of my mother and father's peace. I was just doing what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. And my father had to discipline me to show me you do not live isolated. You live as part of this family. And there is a culture in this house. And we are going to have the culture that your mother and I established. That's what we believe God wants. Therefore, you are going to change. But I didn't want to change. I wanted that culture of self-centeredness. And it's amazing. We can grow up as adults and still have it. And we come to church and we believe almost like the church is there for our benefit. Oh, it's gone quiet, so obviously that's true. <laughs> Finally, in Matthew 26, it says this. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, and the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. 
But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus, this is all happening when this next thing happens. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. And when his disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? Hmm. Pouring everything out on Jesus. Why this waste? Can you see they were messed up? Even though they'd followed Jesus for three and a half years, when they saw the alabaster jar being broken, because it was, it was a sealed unit, they couldn't put a top back on it, she had to break it, and she broke the stem of it, and she poured it out on Jesus. She poured out everything she had. She poured out her greatest gift, this alabaster jar represented her past life because this is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, who was full of demons and was a prostitute. And here she comes. She comes to have to get past all the indignation because the disciples were standing by the door watching who came in and who came out. And here comes this former prostitute. And I bet that made them nervous. Why? Because they're looking on the outside, not the inside. They're not seeing the heart motive. They're seeing what she used to be. And as she approaches, I bet there were some intimidating looks. I bet as she got past that and got inside the house, it says in one of the other narratives, in one of the other Gospels, it says that the scribes and Pharisees reacted to her being there. Yeah, I bet they did, because I bet some of them were a former clientele. And I bet she, they thought she may expose them. But they missed the motivation altogether. This woman wasn't coming to do anything negative. She wasn't coming to expose. She wasn't coming to get angry. She was coming to pour everything she had out. And she was pouring out her past. And she was pouring out her present. And she was pouring out her future. Because this alabaster jar was worth a year's salary. And it represented her former life. And she was saying, no more. I'm, I'm emptying it all out on Jesus. I'm giving it all to Jesus. I'm not going to hold that life any longer. That's no longer the person I want to be. I'm going to pour it all out on him. I'm going to give it to him and remember it no more. Because this man has made me feel valuable without getting anything from me. This was her pension. For her future. So she was pouring out her future on him. She was saying, I'm not going to just love you for the past. I'm not going to just love you for today. I'm going to love you for all my tomorrows until I see you in heaven. I am pouring out everything I am. I'm holding nothing back. I'm giving it all to you. And the disciples were in Indignant. Why? Because she was showing them the way to live for Christ. She was showing them the way that he expected us to live. He was saying, if I'm going to pour out my life for you, then I'm looking for a company of people who are pouring out their life for me in the earth, even though I'm not here, even though you can't smell me, you can't touch me, you can't feel me on occasions. It doesn't matter. You made a decision a long time ago that you were going to empty yourself 
yourself on me. You're going to empty yourself in worship. You're going to empty yourself in the word. You're going to empty yourself in, in giving away the love of Christ. You're going to empty all that you are. You're going to give everything that you can just to make me known. Because if I have been forgiven much, I am loved much. Therefore, I want everybody around me to know the love of Christ the same way. It doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday or the day before. It doesn't really matter what you're going to do tomorrow because we don't want you to hurt yourself in the future. But listen, sometimes we wander off this way because our passions have gone away from the Lord. But if we live full passion for the Lord, it protects us. You know... I've never known Gwenda. We've been married 10 years now. I've never known Gwenda be on her knees by the side of my bed when I open my eyes. I go, what's the matter, honey? I beg you, don't be unfaithful to me. I've never seen her do it. She's never asked me. Why? Because if someone asked to ask me, that there's something wrong in the relationship. I don't say to her, pray for me so I don't get tempted. Because that tells me I'm not 100% in love with her. It tells me I'm not 100% committed to her. If I love my wife, I don't, even if temptation comes near, I'm going to go, why would I want the worst? I got the best. It's value. You see, if I value Gwenda and I say, I've got the best, it doesn't matter what blonde bombshell comes towards me. It doesn't matter what cups she wears. It doesn't matter how short the skirt is. It doesn't matter how much she wiggles that booty in front of me. I'm just going to go, no thanks. Why? Well, I'm in love. I'm loved. I am loving someone who is loving me back with the same measure. And it protects me. Now, if it goes cold here, of course that stuff happens. But the problem's not this, it's this. And when a Christian wanders, it's because something's wrong with the relationship. And it can't be God's end, can it? (laughs) It's got to be my end. It's got to be my end. That I'm not seeing God the way he really is. I'm not seeing my Father in heaven the way he truly is. I'm not seeing my Savior the way he truly is. I'm not seeing his love for me the way it truly is. And he doesn't condemn me for that. He just moves heaven and earth to open my eyes to see it a bit different than I've ever seen it before. Wow. Isn't it amazing? He's in a leper's house when this happens. And it's a former prostitute that comes in the door and pours out the alabaster jar. If you, that doesn't convince you, Jesus loves to be with the messed up. Nothing is. And turn to somebody and say, that means he's welcome in your house. (laughs) Wow. Pastor Eric and Michelle are the Father's gift. Planned before the foundation of the world to plant this church and shepherd this congregation. Then he connected you to them in order for his plan, purpose, and provision to flow into the earth, into your life, 
and through your life. That's why God connected you here. What you connect to, you receive from, or you should. If you're not connected properly, you can't. But if you're connected rightly, you can. It's really essential to be correctly aligned with the people God has placed in your life. Absolutely vital that you see who they are and the purpose they have. God has placed you in this church under their oversight to be connected to them, that what the plan is in their heart and the wisdom he's already given them, the anointing that's in them, the grace that's flowing in them should flow to every member of the, Christ, of the body of Christ and reproduce the same thing. Do you know people should come in here after 20 years and see, when I sat here today and I listened to Matt, I didn't know that story. Well done, Matt. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't know that story. But as he's preaching, I'm thinking, gosh, he sounds like Pastor Eric. He talks like Pastor Eric. His little sense of humor is like Pastor Eric. <laughs> and some of you go, oh, God, not, not two of them. <laughs> I'd say, may there be a hundred and two of them. May there be a thousand and two of them. May every person that comes in here take on that same spirit and that same likeness because I love Pastor Eric and Michelle. I love the Jesus in them. I love their view of Christ. I love the way that they worship. I love the way that they give. I love the way they demonstrate through the gifts of the Spirit. I love the way they're pouring out their life. Can I tell you now as a pastor, I know what they've gone through. I know every sort of stuff. that They've had different ones to me, but I tell you what, you can, be, you can give your heart as a pastor. You can give your heart as a five-fold ministry, and people will criticize you. They will ostracize you. They will leave you. They will spread rumors about you that are nothing true at all, all because of their own self-centered agenda. But Pastor Eric and Michelle have to take on the same spirit that Christ takes on. Who will love the unlovely. He will, they will love the unfaithful. They will love the ones who are with them today and gone tomorrow. But yet it's still 2 o'clock in the morning. They'll get a phone call. They're the ones that will get out of bed and come to meet you in your midnight hour or in your circumstance. And they will be there to hold your hand and comfort you and walk you through it. Why? Because that's... The image of God that we see in the Bible. I never leave you nor forsake you. You see, you can walk away from Christ, but he won't walk away from you. And you can walk away from what God is doing in this house, but this house will never walk away from you. Because this couple have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. They're not perfect. No, none of us are. But I tell you what, they have a perfect attitude. They have a perfect willingness to empty themselves into your life. Can I say pastor's appreciation is not one day a year. It's every day of every year. You want people to honor you, then honor them. Honor the gift of God and God will see to it that he will honor you. Why? Because you're honoring the, the gift that he's put amongst you. And honor, you can't honor with words. It's not possible to honor with words. The Bible never speaks of honoring anyone with words. It speaks of giving. It speaks of sharing. It speaks of you honoring someone and covering. Do you know this couple yesterday? We hadn't been here five minutes. And they sent, we, we met them in a restaurant. As soon as we finished the restaurant, they said to us, we want to take you shopping. We want to buy you something. 
And I said, you don't need to buy us anything. We just came here to bless you. They said, no, no, no. We want to honor you. We want to honor your presence. And I smiled. They took us to a clothing place to honor us. They didn't just stand there and say, well, we really appreciate you coming. We love you, and we're so thankful you're here. Bye. You know, sometimes we can take complacency with those that God gives us. We can do it in our marriage. We can do it in our family. We can do it to our parents. We can do it to our children. We can do it to our grandparents. We can do it to our pastors. We can do it to anyone. We get familiar and we forget how important they truly are. You are so significant to God. Can I play this? Is that possible? You are so significant to God. brought them to you. Now, I haven't played this song in I don't know how long. A long time, so. And I haven't played a piano in. Oh. Is there a volume? start, doesn't it? When I was in Poland, when, uh, when I was in Czechoslovakia, sorry, the Berlin Wall came down and I was in Czechoslovakia holding a conference three months later. And at the end of the conference, a, a pastor gave me a vase. It was cut crystal. They had virtually nothing that they could give me. They couldn't give me much food. They couldn't give me the, any offerings or anything like that. But they gave me a vase that was so incredibly hand-carved. It was cut crystal with this incredible shape and absolute immaculate pattern on it. And when they gave it to me, I knew that they were giving me the greatest thing they could give me. And I brought it home. I took it out of the box and I moved, uh, we used to have this big fireplace with a mantle on top. I moved everything aside on the mantle and I put it right in the middle. It was so precious, I put it up on full side. It was meant so much to me because the cost of giving to me was so high that I had to give it its highest place of honor. And I put it on full display. Now I got grandkids. And at the time, Jesse was probably three when this happened. And Jesse is a soccer fan. Jesse is a football fan. Jesse is a cricket fan. Jesse is just wild on sport. Give him a ball, a bat, or something, and he's going to hit something somewhere. And he runs through the door because he's heard I'm back. And he walks through the door, Granddad! And he's got a football, a soccer ball. In his, and he goes, look! And he goes like this. And I knew, you know how your brain works split seconds? You know where that ball is going to go. He's about to kick it inside my house. Because we always tell people, don't kick inside the house, outside the house. But he forgot. He's so excited. And he goes, bam, and he hits that. And I realize in a split moment, it's heading for the vase that I've just put up on there. And I dived. You'd have been so proud of me. <laughs> I leapt into the midair, grabbed the ball, and fell to the floor. And went, no, 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 Jess. No, 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 no. No, and I give him the ball. And I pulled the vase down. I said, no, this is precious. And I began to tell him the story. Of, and of course he began to cry. And he said he's sorry. And he didn't mean any harm. He just didn't understand its value. 
I protected what was given to me because I recognized its value. I want to ask you to protect your pastors. You know, if you see them of high esteem and high value, they're the greatest gift God could give you, you will protect them. You won't moan. You won't groan. You won't criticize. You'll thank. Even at the time when the five-fold ministry comes to the seat of your learning, you'll be going, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> thank you, Pastor. Thank you. I didn't want to hear that, but thank you, Pastor. You won't. Who do you think you are speaking into my life? And you won't judge. You won't criticize. You won't moan and groan. You'll speak. This is the best gift God could possibly give us. And we appreciate God's gift to us. You start speaking like that every single second of every single day. I'm telling you, nothing can stop this church growing. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God flourishing in this place. Because everything is ordered by words. When Gwenda and I had to move to America in 2006... We'd literally just got married three months before. And the call of God came for us to move to America to plant a Bible school. We couldn't take our possessions. We had nowhere to live. The only thing we could do was take two cases and a guitar. So we had to sell all our wedding presents. We had to, oh, sorry, give them away. We had to give everything we had in our house, all our furniture, everything we had, we could give it away. And that vase had to be given away. Can I tell you, that was one of the hardest things I ever gave away. I could have given away a lot of other things and not, didn't have a heartbeat. But to give that vase away was hard for me because of the value. Because it meant so much to them that I valued it. And Pastor Eric and Michelle means everything to Jesus. Therefore, I want to value it. And I value it by the way I talk and the way I live and the way I give and the way I respond to them and to the call of God through them. Amazing thing is I had to give it away and I gave that vase away to Gwenda's mum. And I'm one of those, if you give it away, that's it, it's gone. You gave it away. I can't stand in her house going, I want it back, pray, I want it back. Jesus, Jesus tell us to me, give it back. No, I'm not there. I gave it away. I gave, she loved the vase. Well, she called Gwen up the other day with her sister to clear out some stuff because I've been decorating. And she just turned and she just gave the vase to Gwen and said, here, give this back to Wynne. I, I never use it and because I'm changing everything. It'd be better in your house now. You see, I gave it away, but it came back. Oh, I gave, and I, I tell you, when she gave it back to me, I just saw it. And I, I wanted to cry because it's so precious to me. What was lost was found and came back. You see, when you came back to Jesus, you were lost, but you came back again. And sometimes Christians get lost along the journey, but they come back again. It's the same thing. God values you so much. Before the world began, you were on his mind. Every tear you cried was precious in his eyes. Because of his great love, he gave his only son. 
everything was done so you would come and nothing you can do will make him love you more and nothing that you've done will ever make him close the door because of his great love he gave his only son Everything was done so you would come Come to the Father Though your gift is small Broken hearts and broken lives He will take them all The power of His blood The power of His Everything was done so you would come Come to the Father Though your gift is small Broken hearts and broken lives He will take them all And the power of His blood And the power of His word Everything was done Everything was done Everything was done So you would come So you would come Everything was done before the foundations of the earth so you could come. And you've come. You've come to this place. Now don't undervalue this moment. This couple, this church, this season is perfectly in alignment with the plan of God. And if you stay the course and understand, God is in it with us. And though Jesus can't come to be in Alabama, he sent his spirit in his son and daughter to pay the price. No matter what you say, no matter what others have said, no matter what you do, they are staying the course. And anyone who stays the course with them will get the blessing that God has for them. And if you stay around long enough, I get the spirit. I get the fact that you'll get the spirit that's on them. And slowly but surely, God will call you to do the same sort of stuff. And you'll go through the same pain. My daughter did something a few years ago to me. Not to me. She just did something I couldn't believe she would ever do. And she let all the anger out that she was experiencing on me. And she called me everything. And I couldn't believe that she would do that. She'd never, ever done it to me in my life. And I... I cried and I wept for days and days and days because she didn't understand the value of my love. She didn't understand the value of my words because I was saying, don't do that. You'll get hurt. Thank God at 32, she now goes, I'll never do that again. Of course, I could say, well, I did tell you, but that's not going to help, is it? 
Why? I just needed her to understand. Sweetheart, you didn't have to go through that if you just valued who God gave you as a father. If you just value who God gives you as a pastor, do you know you'll come and you'll receive the wisdom in this couple and it will protect you and keep you from harm. That's the only reason they say what they say. Because they're repeating a father's voice. They're repeating a father's word to protect you. That's all. Amen? Did you receive something this morning? Can I urge you then? Can I urge you? Make today the starting point of a new appreciation spirit. You can't tell them how much you love them enough, but don't just say the words and then carry on doing your own stuff. That's stupid. And say to somebody right now, I don't want to be stupid. <laughs> if you're going to say that you love them, then receive the gift in them and appreciate them. Pray for them daily. Thank God for them every day. Amen. Wow. I'd like to pray for you. Can I pray for you? Would you like to come forward? Uh, I don't want to interrupt this moment, but Gwenda and I have not had any music material, no worship albums for a long time because we lost all our masters. Well, just a few months ago, we got them back. So we reproduced one of our albums, and it's called Gates of Praise. We have some with us. If anybody's interested in them, come see us at the end. We've got a little box. I don't want to put them out on display. I want this day to be about them. But some people have said, don't you have any worship albums? Yeah, I have one. Here it is. Come see me afterwards and we'll talk about it, okay? But let's, let's pray. Would you, would you all stand with me at this moment? Father, we want to thank you. Grant, come here. Father, we want to thank you that you never hold anything back you've always given your very best and you did that to Eric and Michelle for their salvation and for their personal walk with you but Lord when you called them into the ministry it's because you'd already given the very best gift in them to bring them to a place where they could stand as pastors and lead a church into the great things of God and we know that there's much more to come. And we know the very best is yet to come because that's what your word says. But we have watched, Lord, and we've tasted and seen of the spirit that's in them. And they have your spirit. Papa, they have your spirit. <laughs> they just love to love people. And they ache to say the right things so that people don't get harmed and can grow up in you knowing you the way they know you and that's all they want and so father today as we praise them we're praising you in them as we thank them we're thanking you in them and as we appreciate them we're appreciating you in them and i know you appreciate them but we're recognizing them and we pray in jesus name that all of our eyes will open to see the value of who you've given to be amongst us to lead us, to guide us, to correct us, to even bring discipline if necessary. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you release that spirit 
of appreciation like never before in all our hearts for this dear couple, this gift. We promise to protect them. We promise to receive them more by grace. Help us in Jesus' mighty name. And as we lay hands upon them today, we declare in Jesus' name that the year ahead will be the greatest year they've known. That you will lavish them and bless them and release the dream of God in them. That your resources will flow into their life and through their life. And we pray today the miracles they need in their body, in their mind, in their soul, in their, in their lives, in their finances. We release them right now. We release the miracle anointing of God. We declare in Jesus' name, the miracle grace of Jesus will restore everything that needs to be restored and will equip them even more than they've been equipped and release in them more than we've ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. We declare, we send them into this year ahead with our blessing, with our favor, with our anointing with them. And we promise to stand right by the side of them in everything and through everything for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name. Spirit is so good to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Wynn, for bringing such a rich word to help honor our pastors today. We've got a, <coughs> a gift as a, like you said, is, it's not uh, words. It's hard to honor in words, but we want to honor in action. So we've got a gift we'd like to present to the both of you today. And uh, before we do that, um, well, I want to go ahead and do that. We've already prayed, but I want to go ahead and bless you with here. I've I'm just going to bring it to you. This on behalf of everyone here at Grace Life Church. Love both of you. Amen. Glory to God. And we've got a meal that's prepared and it's ready out in the foyer. But we've got some instruction first. The pastor's table here will be served first. So everyone, uh, you may be hungry, but let's honor and allow them to go first. We're going to bless the food as we do. We'll let uh, the pastors make their way out first to get their uh, meal prepared, and then we can follow in behind. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious time today that we've had to be able to honor our pastors, Father. And we know that it's not just today, but it's every day that as we esteem them, as we honor them as a gift from God that's been given to us by Jesus, the head of the church, Father, that uh, the grace, the anointing that's upon them, Father, that you've graced them with, that you've given them, Father God, will come upon us, it will operate in us, through us, upon our families, Father God, and our children, Father, and our businesses. We thank you, Father God, that this year is not over yet, Father. We're so, we're so excited about the things that will come into this year and also in the year to come, Father God. What you've called us to do, what you've called us to be is a light, a shining light, Father God, not just in this county, but to the state and to the four corners of the world, Father God. We give you honor and we give you praise. We thank you for the food that's been prepared. 
We call it cleansed and blessed to our bodies, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you may be dismissed. <clears throat> Um, thank y'all so much. This is very honoring, and it shows your love for us. And uh, as Papa Wynn said, um, you know, it's, it's our heart just to see um, God's heart in you to other people. So um, as, he, as he said, you know, we're only called because of God, and, uh, and uh, we can only love because of God. So it's, it's, it's my heart, our heart, to see that love flow through you as we have. And it's such a blessing to see um, each and every person, all the lives that God's touched and changed. And he's worked through you to touch other people, to bring other people into the kingdom. Amen. We have a great future, and we're so excited y'all are part of it. Amen. I don't know why God does what he does now, but... Anybody got a word? <laughs> I got a word of knowledge. So, someone you have a stomach issue, I don't know who you are. I don't want to forget that because if he's reminding me, he wants to do that. I don't know what that means about a stomach issue. If that's you, in the name of Jesus, I declare you're healed in the intestinal area. Someone else here having some situations, I don't know if it's just a headache or a migraine, which that's gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can't turn it off and on when you turn it But I want to obey that, you know. Um, so much was said there this morning and uh, and then looking at the video slide um, when we went to Bible school when we graduated and shook the Hagen's hand <clears throat> in, in our thinking we were we were coming back to uh, get back involved in business and uh, in my mind in my, my, my mind <clears throat> I was going to help someone do things and I was going to be a check writer. I, I wanted to fund the kingdom. <clears throat> I never had an intention to ever do this. This was the only one thing, only one thing I told God, I, I, I know I will never do this. <clears throat> I will never pastor a church, but I will help pastors. I was confused when I was at Rainbow why God told me to go into the pastor's group. <laughs> it scared me. Because I was reminded him that wasn't who I was. And, and then I said, well, I, I understand. If I, I'm going there to understand a pastor's heart. So if I can understand how he thinks and what his functions are, I would be a better help to him. So I rationalized that. And when I got my diploma, I was coming back to start in business. And I came back and got involved in the family business. Um, and the Lord gave me three things to do. Uh, well, one, we didn't know we was coming back. <clears throat> we wanted to come back, but we, we, if you'd have told us two years prior to going to Bible school, we would go to Oklahoma and go to Bible school, I would have thought you was drinking something heavy or smoking something that was illegal. So I just didn't assume we would come back to, come back to what we called home. So we determined in our heart uh, the month before we graduated from Rainbow that we would as uh, all the students did, I think uh, Miss Lynette Hagen took us to the church, and she said it's almost graduation time. And she says, and so we're some of you already know where you're going. I think the vast majority of you really don't. And so we we went down together, and, and God spoke to me very clearly, and it didn't take me just uh, two or three minutes. And He said, go go home, 
He said, you'll go back to the, to the, to the business. He said, you'll be there for a season. And then he emphasized uh, two times. He says, you will be there for a season. And once again, he said, you will be there for a season. He said, uh, uh, do not go to church uh, locally. Go to Birmingham. And, he told, and I knew who the pastor was. And he said, join yourself to that ministry. And uh, so he, he gave us enough information to act on. You know, we, we like the whole thing. We think we want the beginning to the end. And, uh, but he gave me enough information to act on. So we, <clears throat> we came home. And uh, uh, Brother Hagin used to talk about following God and the, the inward witness. But he says sometimes when there's a change, you know, it, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, God doesn't do things just so fast. He just prepares you for a period of time. We kept on having this really itch, on, we'll call it the itch on the inside. And uh, so we were... Um, I was talking with uh, my pastor at the time, and he says, I want you to go start a Bible study. Well, I didn't want to do that. So I just wanted to help somebody. I, I didn't want to be in charge of anything. I didn't want to be what I thought was the answer guy. I didn't want people looking to me. I just wanted to help you. I didn't want to. So through the years, people who had it in their mind to start a church, and I could do that, Lot, they, they didn't succeed, and they were really great people, smart, intelligent people, and I believe a lot of God, but <clears throat> it might have been their idea. So they would ask us, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, when we started the church that I didn't want to start, how did you make it go? I said, I don't know, because I was trying to stop it all along. <laughs> I was trying to abort this thing, I would say. <clears throat> so we went on, and because my pastor told me to start a Bible study. And, uh, and I said, well, I, he, says, um, I want, uh, he says, in two weeks, I want you to start it. Because we were driving 62 miles to church one way. And I know people don't know how to do that. We have some here to do. And uh, we, we appreciate the, the, the sacrifice that you do to do that. And uh, so we, anyway, so we went, we started the Bible study. So I asked, uh, I told the people, I said, well, we're going to have it in the business where we had the floor covering store, I said, just, just don't tell people that we're having one. It'll just be us family members. I said, but, you know, we just don't need to mix this with a business and so don't tell anyone. Because I thought if I could just do that for a little while, then God would forget about it and then leave me alone on that, and I'd go back to do what I was supposed to be doing for him. Somehow my file got mixed up with somebody else's, and he would realize that, you know, that someone in heaven made a mistake, and he would leave me alone with that. We started teaching, and, and lo and behold, other people started coming that uh, wasn't our blood kin. And um, something began to happen on the inside with people. And that's all we want. It, it was two years of intense word. If you go to Bible school and you go five days a week, it's like 20 years of coming to church. And all we want to do is see people's lives change. That's all we wanted to do. People think when you go to Bible school, you know how to do everything. No, you, just, you leave with a bunch of headlines of notes. I call it the headlines. Doesn't know you know how to pastor a church. Doesn't know you know anything about banking or anything. We just had a love for God and a love for people. And we, we had some information that we believe could change people's lives. That someone had entrusted to us. It was passed on and on and on. And so we, we, we started that way, and then after about six months, uh, our pastor said, um, 
well, how's the Bible study? And I said, well, it's, it's doing good. I, and uh, I said, I don't know, something's just wrong. And, uh, and that's what I said about uh, Brother Hagin used to talk about. Sometimes when there's the next level or there's another, there's the next phase to it, you just know you're doing something that you're led to do, but something's not quite right. Brother Hagin used to talk about it's like taking a shower with your socks on. You can do it. You can get in the shower and you can you can go fully clothed and just have your socks on, but just something's not quite right. And so um, we, uh, I knew I was getting closer to this could be a pastoral thing, and I just had two or three negative experiences about that. And I said, well, this must be what it's like to pastor. And because of my experience, I was like, gosh, I would never want to do that. And uh, and that's what was really holding me back from all these things. So we uh, we talked, and then we uh, we started the church in June of 1995 and we we had four kids below the waistline and uh, running the business about 60 hours a week and we knew enough we knew enough we, we were like a no Texas colloquial we didn't know come on from Sikkim we had a lot of we had a lot of zeal and a lot of youth uh, but but not a lot of natural wisdom for ministry and no experience at all and all we knew is what someone told us and what we believed with all of our heart. And, um, and we saw lots of miracles. Lots of miracles. Not I mean just in the physical realm. I'm just talking about in people's lives, people that were broken, people that were hurt, and, of course, lots of miracles. And uh, it turned out after 21 years that God knew more what was suited for me than I knew for that. Can you imagine that? I mean, he actually knew that. And, um, you know, he doesn't study us and then come to con a conclusion, does he? But we even called of God, and as Pastor Wynn was talking about this morning, and even before we're born, he knows our place and he knows our purpose. He knows we need people in our lives. About six years ago, we were praying, Michelle and I were praying, God, where's our place? Where do we belong to? The, those that we look to leadership aren't there anymore. And we, we refuse to be an island to ourselves. Where is our place? Who, who, who are we to be connected to? Who, who's to speak into our life? Who can take us behind the woodshed and get Michelle straightened out uh, on these things? And, uh, <laughs> and the, we were invited by the, the Billings to come to, to their church because they were having some guest ministers. And we got there just before the service started. Four years ago, and uh, that service was the the time and the place where David picked up the stone that was planned by God. And I, I knew in my heart, I said, I, I don't know who this couple is, but somehow we're supposed to be connected with them somehow for the rest of our life. And I didn't know what all that meant, and it took a little while for it to, to unfold. And uh, he placed these very special people into our lives, into our hearts. So they, they have, the, they have the, uh, the responsibility of how we're going to turn out. <laughs> no, but they have, they have the liberty to speak into our lives things that are great and things that, that, that we need to go to the woodshed and, uh, because we, we want to have accountability and we understand structure and order in the kingdom. And, uh, you know, it honors me that they... Uh, got in their car yesterday and drove from New Orleans. So you can tell people you love them. That's real easy. It, it is, isn't it? 
Just say, yeah, I love you. Yeah, we'll love you too. <clears throat> but but love is a is an action word. And that's all that we have experienced from them um, is their, the, the thing that distinguishes the, that I saw from day one and has just built more and more as we've known them for four years is their love for people, their love, of course, for God and, and worship and their praise and uh, these amazing revelations that God has entrusted them with to give to the body of Christ. But the one distinguishing thing above everything else is their love for the body. Because pastors probably have it a lot easier being in a local church than the discomforts of leaving home. You know, we've all went home or left home, went on vacation or whatever, but never left for months. You know, how many know that every pillow doesn't sleep like yours? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you never want to go, you never get to leave home, so I don't wish I could stay in a Hampton or, or or whatever, and they, they don't pray God, Lord, could we just stay in a Hampton? <laughs> and so, but there's a grace for, for them, and there's a grace for each of us and what we're called to do, and, and we know that we can't do that without the right connections. And there has to be a head, and, there, and Jesus is the head, but there's people all along in our life that, that, that he has entrusted and, and connected, divinely connected to us. And, and when you look at the video, uh, and that's just, uh, you know, you can't put 21 years history into a 10-minute video, and there's probably been, oh, and outreaches and such as this, and we, we, hundreds and thousands of people saved, and people who have left and went to other nations, and people that are here, and they're gone, and there's such as this, but you, you see how, you, you, you see how one decision by someone's life affects someone else. And you really don't get the bigger picture of it until you, you go back, like for us, and watching a video and thinking, you know, I almost didn't go to Ramah. Because, you know, we were young and we, we were like, gosh, I mean, if we can't pay our bills on full-time, how are we going to go to school and part-time? On that alone, and Michelle was all excited about going. We went to the Get Acquainted weekend in 1991 or two, and she was. We both knew we were supposed to go, and she was over rejoicing, and she was like, "Ooh!" And I was like, "Stop it, stop it." We had to borrow money to come here to get acquainted. How are you going to live here and <laughs> work part time? <laughs> and she was just like, I mean, so she was actually in faith, and I was in fear. And, um, you know, it's just, but that decision is how I got to know you. Really? And, uh, but then, and you could just go on all the way back to the beginning of mankind. I mean, what if the Hagans had decided, nah. And really only in heaven one day will we ever know the impact of obedience. Not that we were perfect in obedience, but God factored all that in. And so we're, uh, we're uh, very grateful and we're very honored that God has allowed us for 21 years to, to be a part of people's lives and your lives um, to speak the truth that he's given us and to share it with others. 
that literally change because we can't change a life, but we know He can, and we know His Word does. It's it's incorruptible. It's it's indestructible. And uh, we are we're th- we're thrilled to what we believe. Uh, and as you just sprained over us, so we believe in the next twelve months there's going to be a reordering of things. We don't really know what it is. Um, I don't have any clue what it is, but it's going to be amazing. And uh, and he's going to call on a number of you, and 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 you're ready uh, to go to the next place. And um, it, it will be for as Esther. It will be for such a time as this, for the purpose for which you were here, and the purpose for which you're born, and the purpose for which. And, and the seed will come out of the ground, and it'll be the blade, then it'll be the stalk, and then it'll be the corn in there, then it'll be the full corn in there. And then when we eat the corn, we can all rejoice. But it's when it's beneath the ground and the seed and you're covered up that you, you really, like, well, I'm not sure about that. But we can't go out and dig it up every morning to see if it's actually going to take root because the seed has to die first. And there is a death process. And every dream, I think, and every vision that God's ever given to everyone. God gives the dream and the vision, but that dream has to die. It has to die from you. It has to die from your ability. Sometimes the, the, the plan's right, but the motivation's wrong, and God has to separate all that so it'll just be pure when it comes up. Hmm? It took me a decade or more, and I'm still learning how important motive is to God. In my youth, I didn't understand that. I, I just didn't. And I'm just now beginning to understand more about that. And uh, there I believe, and this is a cliche, could be, but I, I mean this all in my heart, there is tremendous greatness in this room. At each table, in, in each person, there's greatness. And, and we feel like our, our part of that is, is like it's gold in the mine and we're to, we're to mine it out because it usually is covered up. You know, if gold was just was just external, it was just topical, everybody would be, they would go to the Cayman Islands and we'd just all pick up a bunch of it and come, you know, and just, hey. But gold has to be dug for, and it's it's precious, and it, it has to be sought after, and it's, it's a long process. And before it ever gets to the the uh, the store where it's sold, it shines under the, the light on a black canvas, and before it sparkles, and before it ever is shown in a commercial, uh, there's, a, there's a whole process that has to take place. And for a diamond to be of any great value, it, it came under ex- extreme pressure and heat. So if you feel like sometimes your life is really heated up, you're ready to shine. You're ready to shine. And if the devil's never after you, the, you you're no threat to him at all. Amen. So I, I, I'm going to pray your problems will get worse right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> They're like, no, no, it's bad enough. So we, we, to wrap this up, we just want to say thank you for uh, making this day special for us. And we're, uh, uh, I don't know if I could sing and I can't. If I could play and I can't. I don't know why I didn't get any of those abilities. But anyway, I gave someone else. Because really, it really is not about us. Um, the old song, How Great Thou Art, because it's really about the Father, because he is, he is really great. Yes. And um, 
I can't wait till we're all in heaven and we're all about the throne and we can sing a song, that song or a song like it about how great our God is. And I just want to encourage you, to, um, sometimes if you're doing things and it seems like it's insignificant, uh, you, you never know the power of a seed. You never know the, the power of a, uh, a word. I don't mean no, a word of knowledge. I, I mean it could be just simply an encouraging word. And God brings people into your life. And like the Friars, I mean, a number of years ago, and they came into your life, and what a special relationship. And I, I didn't even know, didn't even know they were in the, on the earth. But God knew. And walk in the door, and he says, yeah, we went to Raymond too. And I said, you went to Raymond? He went before us. That's why he's a lot smarter than we are. They are. And uh, amen. So we just want to encourage you to, to keep on keeping on. Because you're a light in a dark world. And this world, as it gets darker, and it will, it will. You know, you just, all you have to do is watch the news. Just pick a night. And uh, just look at the, what's going on in the nations of the earth. And I believe we're in very close, close, close days in the last days. And as it gets worse and worse, you know, the thing about uh, lights like, that are timed, like in parking lots, maybe you have one in your home. And they, they're automated that when it gets so dark, the light comes on. Right. And the thing that distinguishes everything about darkness, and if you go into a basement and it has no light and you cut off all the lights, and you're in a basement and there's no external lights and there's no bulbs on, that's just dark. And you could take a, a match, strike it, and the most distinguishing thing in the room would be that light. John says that the, the darkness will never extinguish the light. Charles Capps always said this way. He said, you cannot go to the building supply and buy a dark bulb. You can't go there to Lowe's or Home Depot and say, my house is too light. I'm looking for some dark bulbs to extinguish some of this light. But you can go to the darkest place of your home. You can go into a closet. You can go into a cellar. If it has something electrical, you can plug it in. And you can overcome all the darkness with one light. And that's who we are. And remember what Jesus told us? He said, the thing that will tell the world, he said, this is how the world will know that you're my disciple. And you know the answer to that, don't you? It wasn't because of prophecy. It wasn't because you was a great musician. It wasn't because you preached a wonderful expository or textual sermon. It wasn't because you're a person of great intellect or... It was, he said, the world will know that you love me. How? Because they'll see you loving one another. And I know that's what's so in this room, but he wasn't talking about it in this room. He was talking about this room loving your Baptist brother and your Methodist brother and your Presbyterian brother. Huh? And, and the Democrats and the Republicans. God help us all. And... Uh, <laughs> He's talking about unity in the body. Just like it is in our body. When you have a part of your body that's hurting on the inside, the rest of your body comes to the aid. You, may, you not, can't see it because it's internal. But your body comes to the aid. And the scripture says when one part of this body suffers, the whole body suffers, comes to the aid of it. And that's how the world knows. Isn't it by speaking in tongues? It's by... They're seeing our love one to another.
And so honor is, is not man's idea, it's God's idea. We honor the Lord with our what? Our substance. See, we just can't say, God, we love you. No, it, 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 he attributes that to what's in your hand. It, it has to have some substance or, or it's not even honor at all, is it? It's, it's just words. Jesus said, he said, they, they speak words. He said, but they're, they're beautiful, plausible words. He said, but, they're, but their heart's far from me. But their actions look like they're so connected. No. No, it's their actions and their words together. So, amen. Thank you. And uh, for coming and being a part of this and uh, speaking into our lives and, and helping us. And uh, these two people are, and I know you know this, but they're very important to us. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're who God connected us to uh, in their lives. So it's, it's very important to us that they're honored and held in high regard and esteemed. Uh, as far as we're concerned, and you may not know this because we're just here and you see them here, uh, but they're, they're generals in the body of Christ, and, and we know that. We just, we just feel awkward that sometimes because of where we are and our ability to do that, we can't do what we would want to do for them. Um, but God can change all that, you know. I think they need a really nice car in the United States Amen. and quit renting cars. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen. What if God could buy a car? <laughs> now, if you have an old pickup truck at your house, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what if God could give them a nice chariot. And... Uh, there's no telling what you might spend every year in cars. You've bought cars, paying rentals. So the sacrifice is just tremendous. Well, all right. The reason I talk so much is sometimes I make a mistake. And um, this morning I put in Michelle's dentures. I realized it. And uh, I'll get mine back and then I'll go silent. Yeah. Praise God. How many is ready to eat? <laughs> Amen. I just want to real quickly say thank you to all everybody that had a part in this, and I think all of you did. Amen. Sorry I couldn't keep it a surprise. We kept it a surprise as long as we could. But you know how my husband likes to plan spur-of-the-moment trips. So so he was planning a trip to, to go see our... Was going to go see the Gosses. The Gosses. They're going back to Wales, and, and I said, we won't see them for till next year. And I said, and so Kristen knew that he was coming. And I said, she said, well, what if he's coming closer? I said, he's not coming closer. I've been on his itinerary. <laughs> I said, as close as he's coming is Ohio. So I've never been to Dayton. I guess here, here we go, if, if I could work it out. So. And she was like, oh, what am I going to do here? She said, uh, she said, what if he's closer? I said, he's not closer. And if he was, how would you know? Yeah. Well, she did know. She did know. But it's still a surprise. And thank you all very much. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you. So you. And I want to thank our immediate family, uh, Matt and Barbara and all of our family, blood family that's here that have been with us since we started the church. Amen. So they've been with us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, <laughs> so I just want to thank you all too very much, and we appreciate you and love you very much. Is Miss so. Dana, she, she out there? She's helping with the food. She's yeah. one of our oldest church members, not old in age but been with us since we started amen so yeah and anytime amen. she's in charge of food it's a great day it is so we're fixing to enjoy the food so 
Love you.